What's up, everybody? Today we have Dr. Jacob Berger on the podcast. Dr. Jacob Berger uh, received his Doctor of Dental Medicine degree from ATSU, Arizona School of Dentistry and Oral Health, in Mesa, Arizona. He also received his Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Sciences from the University of South Florida in Tampa, Florida. So, Dr. Berger is an active member of the Hispanic Dental Association. American Dental Association, and the American Academy of Developmental Medicine and Dentistry. In addition to duties at Smiles at Lakewood Ranch, his office, Dr. Berger also serves as regional doctor mentor of operations. When he isn't practicing dentistry, Dr. Berger enjoys spending quality time with his family. In his free time, he likes to play basketball, which we've seen him balling up at the gym a couple times, lift weights, and enjoy outdoor activities. His past career was barbering in the Tampa area. Dr. Berger attends church regularly and uses his Sundays to catch up with his family over lunch. Uh, please re- leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast platform. We always read your feedback, guys. Love your feedback. Appreciate it. Um, be sure to check out our new Amazon ebook, Seven Hacks to Boost Your Dental School Application. The link is in the bio. And then also, uh, we teamed up with BNB Dental, and they gave us a discount code for NBDE Part One Boards Prep. So use the discount code Vibes seventy five. That's V I B E S seven five for seventy five dollars off BNB Dental NBDE Part One Boards Prep. And BNB Dental includes detailed videos, practice exams, flashcards, and textbook material, all available and easy to use on a mobile app. For more information about our sponsor, visit bnbdental.com and check them out on Instagram at bnb underscore dental. All right, that's it for me for right now. Uh, please tune in and enjoy our conversation with Dr. Jacob Berger. We have a very special guest with us today, Dr. Jacob Berger. Dr. Berger, how are we doing today? Good, man. Just finished up a long day here at the practice and uh, ready to head home and relax and get a workout in. It's a good day, though. Got to work out. What, what's today? Chest day? Leg day? I'm probably going to play some basketball, yeah. jump on the treadmill, and walk at an incline because I'm lazy. <laughs> you burn man. a lot of calories on that. I try, man, especially with a pre-workout in my system. Ooh, yep. What pre-workout do you take? Uh, lit. Have you had lit? Lit. No, not yet. They got a gummy Let's worm flavor. Oh, you got to add that to the list. Yeah. Uh, put ice in it, throw it in the blender, make a slushy out of it. Wow. Ooh, it's next level. That's a move. Dude, we welcome. haven't done that yet. Never yeah, done you're that. welcome. Slushy. You're welcome. Slushy pre-workout. Very nice. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so Dr. Berger, uh, we're here in Lakewood Ranch, and can you give us a little background on how you got to this spot where we are now, starting way back when, when you uh, about time when you graduated undergrad? For sure. Well, I'll start actually a little bit before that. I was a barber in Tampa. I was cutting hair for about eight years and uh, went to University of South Florida and then from there to dental school. I knew I wanted to come back from Arizona to the Florida area. So after dental school, I popped into this area and I realized that Tampa had a lot going on, but there was this Lakewood Ranch area that was booming, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a part of that. So there was a new practice uh, opportunity that was going to be uh, going down in about November of 2016, which worked out great because I was finishing school in July of 2016. Opened up the practice from scratch with a partner of mine, and uh, 
that's kind of where we're at now. We're at the three-year mark, mm -hmm. and I'm far enough from Tampa, which is home, where I can say no if I don't want to be at a, a family event. Mm -hmm. But if it's a fun party or a bachelor party, you know, yeah. oh, man, it's only an hour away. I'll be there. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Now, quick question. How good are your fade skills? Can you give a fresh fade? Man, I'm not going to lie. I was probably the best in Tampa. Oh, uh, <laughs> but I, I hung up my jersey. I'm retired now. Okay, but okay. for a while, I was cutting in West Tampa, which is right near Raymond James Stadium. Yeah. Dumb luck, a barber, or not a barber, a uh, Buccaneers player came in one day, got a haircut, and walked out looking like Usher. Mm -hmm. He had the waves, <laughs> clean line, and that was really what sparked my business. It went from just being a good barber in town, doing cool designs and great business, to the Bucks barber. So I cut hair for the Bucks for about two years, and uh, it was a cool gig. We would do house parties where it was like a haircut party. They would invite all the players over. I'd cut hair. They'd have drinks, play video games. They'd have music. Some guy doing tattoos in a bedroom. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Crazy, but that, that really is how it went down. I was still wow. cutting hair all the way through high school, undergrad, and then I hung up the, the clippers. Hung up the clippers. Oh, picked man. up the drill. Yeah. <laughs> Retired. Put down, yeah, put down the clippers. Picked up the handpiece. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... Give me a little bit of a timeline from when you graduated undergrad up until like going through dental school. So what, what was your application to dental school like? Do you, you know, I, I remember taking the debt and, and busting my butt for it. And I was telling you earlier, you know, take it one time. So I was really focused on making sure I only had to take it once. Mm -hmm. I took my results from it, looked at the schools, and I was like, you know, I'm going to pick the bottom 20 schools because I can at least get into one of those. And maybe that's not the best strategy, but... What worked out nice is I ended up getting a couple of interviews, flew out to a few of them, and my last one was the one school that I was like, there's no way I'm going to go here. It's my last interview. I might even cancel it. It was in Arizona at ASDO, A-S-D-O-H. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, nah, AT still is my last one. I'm definitely going to get into the ones prior to this. So why even go? And I fell in love with it. I walked in. I fell in love with the dean, the school, the area. And uh, interview went really well. Get back home, uh, I think I was taking like a genetics test around Christmas time, and I got the phone call that they had accepted me. Mm -hmm. and I was like, dang, do I go take this exam or do I just walk out? Because <laughs> I, <already, laughs> I already got into dental school. Yeah. Um, but I, I called up you know, my fam, I was like, hey, we got a couple opportunities, a couple schools to pick from. I think I'm gonna go with Arizona. And uh, so made that move out to Arizona, kind of looked at the pros and the cons and what their fourth year looked like. And, uh, and honestly, man, picked up the U-Haul, loaded it up and made the move and then started up dental school. And, and honestly, that, that was four years well spent in Arizona. Right. So I think that answers that and where, where you're, yeah. you know, kind of the timeline of how I led up into that. Mm -hmm. But I remember just flying out to each interview saying like, I got to kill this interview. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go to the next one. I got to kill this interview. I viewed each one as it, it was its own separate entity. Not like, oh, this is the last one. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is the last one. Until I got to that last one and then I had that mentality. But I'm glad I, I flipped the switch back on because that ended up being the school I went to. Absolutely. Crazy how things work out. Yeah, it did. And I ended up loving the dean even after four years. His mm -hmm. name was Jack Dillenberg. And uh, I feel like I owe him because he was the one that kind of was, you know, when you meet somebody and you're like, this dude's different. Mm -hmm. You can just tell. Mm -hmm. That's how he was. Awesome. And I was like, I want to be a part of a program like this. It's badass. So now, what did you use in your interview to set you apart from everyone else? You talk about how you had to kill every interview. You know, I had this swag to me that I knew was there, but it wasn't cockiness. It was just a sense that if I could just get the interview, I know I can win somebody over. Mm -hmm. And I know that all y'all probably had that where you're like, if I could just get that interview, mm -hmm. I'll be good. So I had that going for me. I knew I had the barber thing going for me because there's the hand dexterity. There's that he must be a people person. Right. He's a barber. Skills. That's yeah. unique. Yeah. So I definitely was going to use that to my advantage. I mean, that's being strategic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, there's no point of not mentioning that advantage. But what I meant by that was just being clean cut. 
okay. showing up well dressed, not looking like I went out the night before. Look, looking up stuff about the school, as silly as that sounds, like I legit looked up the school, the mission, the vision, when they opened their program, whether it's didactic, uh, what their didactic program was, or was it a, um, a problem-based learning program. I tried to look into that, so when I sat in front of somebody, they didn't catch me off guard, and I looked like the guy who showed up unprepared and just winging it. So that's kind of what I meant by like awesome. each one was its own separate entity. I wasn't going to show up to the first school and look like I killed it, but then the second one I was just winging it. Because I know that would be my, my chance. And what if that was the one school that was going to pick me and I blew it? Right. And it's funny you should talk about that. We mentioned in one of our earlier episodes about going into an interview. You got the interview, so you're there for a reason, to have that confidence. You talked about it before. You're not cocky. You're confident in the fact that I am here for a reason. So now let me show you who I am and a little bit about myself. So, you know, everyone out there who's listening, be confident in who you are because you got that spot for a reason. Yeah, man. Uh, and even the confidence of showing up clean cut, as silly as that sounds, I mean, the same goes for male or female. Like, be presentable because we all know that day you walk out of the barbershop, you all feel confident. We all do. We're like, oh, if I had a date tonight, I know that I'm going to close the deal tonight. Whatever the case may be, like, you just feel cleaner. You feel more confident. You have a little bit of that extra uh, swag when you walk in, and that's male or female, blouse or tuxedo or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, suit and tie. You're going to look more confident. And right. like you said, you're there for a reason. Now you just got to seal the deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look good, feel good. Um, was that the one that has that has three interviews, three of those different types of interviews? Is that what you had? We did have three interviews. Uh, or that or there was three people interviewing me at one time. Okay. I think that's what I remember. I also remember there being this stressful moment of like 12 dental students. We're all sitting at a rectangular table and we had to put nuts and bolts on little pegs. And it was known as a school that did the peg test. And you had professors walking around watching you from behind, taking notes while you did this. And you had a certain amount of seconds to load as many bolts and nuts onto a pin with your left hand and then your right hand and you had to alternate them next to your colleagues that are in in hindsight they're your competition yeah, while uh -huh. also your colleagues at this point competition none mm -hmm. of them were colleagues and uh it was kind of weird and different but it, it didn't bother me i knew how to use my hands but it was the only interview of its type mm -hmm. I've, I've never even heard of that have you guys heard of that no. never no nope. i yeah. think they did it for about three more years after me and then they stopped doing it completely right. and then they went into a situational interview where they would talk about a situation. I'm here, I'm a diabetic patient. Uh, they did an example where they're like, I'm here and I'm an upset, disgruntled patient. What would you say or do? So that's what AT still ended up going to. Right. What they're doing now, I'm not sure, but I remember knowing that because I did my research. Like before mm -hmm. going there, I wanted to know how is this research, or how is this uh, interview going to be? And that's right. what I learned about well, it. That's smart of you because they probably were doing that just to get you out of your comfort zone and see how you'd react. But Indeed. you know, you're already on top of uh, on top of your game. On top of it, but still had pain, uh, sweat pancakes. Of course, for sure. <laughs> like, I felt it rolling down my back, and I'm like, really, I'm stressing about putting like nuts and bolts on <laughs> yeah. a pin. But you are sitting next to your competition, yeah. and, and you're like, oh, she dropped one. Ooh, she's not getting in. Um, <laughs> and you're like, what does this even mean? But they're watching how you're reacting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and. In the end, you know, you sit at a table with three future professors, three potential past oral surgeons. You don't know who you're sitting in front mm -hmm. of. But at the end of the day, they're judging you, and that's why you got to have that confidence and know that they got the paper behind it. They can see who I am as a student. Now I just got to show them I'm a good people person. Right, right. I think um, when I went there, it was like a, like a group presentation. That was like one of the interviews, and it was um, uh, role-playing or something. Like you walk into a room, and there's a – patient a fake patient in front of you and they were like either being like difficult or something and um you had to like deal with it 
and you don't you don't you don't know how to diagnose or anything at this point, you know, because you're not in dental school. And but you have to like figure out how to deal with the patient. They're just then, seeing how you think on the fly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember uh, when I got the chance. I was a fourth year dental student. I got to interview students, yeah. and that was fun. I got to sit in on the interviews and be a part of it. And I got to sit on the flip side of it and see what they're looking at. They would even have a student leave, and they would say, "What were your thoughts?" Right. And I would share my thoughts. Like he was freaking out. Yeah. Or man, like. That was an awkward 17 seconds of silence. Yeah. Three, normal. Four, it's getting a little awkward. Yeah. 17, we're like, dude, just walk out. And it, but that's the kind of stuff we're judging. Just walk out. Oh, it's, it's awkward, man. You're like all looking at each other, um, yeah. like what's happening. But then you would hear, honestly, man, you always see and hear some of the craziest stuff that you can't make up. Right. I mean, I had people like, I know I can get in this school. I'm just doing this because I know it's part of the process. And you're like, did you just say that? And then, and then the student would walk out and the professor would be like, all right, scratch, next. Yeah. And I'm like, we're, we're not having him a part of this culture, right? They're like, no, what was that even about? And I'm like, man, being on this flip side, you see why some people don't get into dental mm -hmm. school. There is some far left end of the spectrum and some far right end. And if you can just sit in that bell curve and just be normal with a slight, I guess, swagger about you or a slight difference about you, something that made you you, but don't be so far out in left or right field where you're like, God, that was awkward. Or, man, this dude is so full of himself mm -hmm. or this girl is just way too much feeling herself that I don't want her a part of this mm -hmm. program. Right. But it was cool sitting in on them. I'm not going to lie. There was a, I would say for the ladies who are listening to this, I saw a couple that wore very low-cut V-neck shirts. Uh -huh. And you would see the reddest blotched chest ever when they get nervous. And in that moment now, that's, as, a, as a human being, you get distracted by this red blotchy chest. And that they're nervous. Guys get it too. Mm -hmm. But when you chose to wear a, a low-cut V-neck shirt, it takes our mind off of the like the question at hand. I'm like, man, poor girl, she's freaking nervous right now. Um, so for those that are listening to this, don't don't wear a low-cut V-neck <laughs> yeah. shirt. I mean, you go. This had to be a lot of help for when you're starting to interview associates or employees or whatever for your office too. It you did know, seeing that and everything for sure. I know you know now looking back, there is definitely the differences are obvious differences because there's legal things and. A workplace interview that can't be said and if said there's some litigation problems they didn't worry about that in dental school yeah. I remember some questions that they would ask like tell me about your childhood you know tell me a little bit more about why you put this on there if we get that into detail with a work in the workplace there's obviously some things you're not allowed to ask that I didn't know even existed because I had never interviewed a dental assistant or a hygienist um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely prepared me. So while in dental school, if you have the opportunity to interview dental student, potential dental students, it's a great opportunity. It's fun and you help build the school because you want it to have a good reputation when you leave. To know you were, about a, you were with a good program and you kept that program alive. Because um, if we would have let some, some squares in, that would suck for my reputation. Right? <laughs> I don't want to be a part of the school that let a bunch of squares in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, what was like your first your first year of dental school like? Do you remember that? Like how you're trying to get uh, in tune with everything, with the groove of everything? Tell me about that. Yeah, I do remember it because and there's, there's part of dental schools that I fell in love with and there was parts obviously that we try to forget. Mm -hmm. But I remember just my study regimen is different than most and I know it's different than most. So that's why it's you know sometimes fun sharing. I would go to class. I would come home and play ball, work out. I was doing CrossFit at the time and doing some Olympic lifting hang out with my lady, and then I'd start studying at like 11 o'clock at night. And I'd study till like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and I'd go to bed, and I'd get like three hours of sleep. But that was normal for me. I don't sleep much. And uh, that was my normal schedule all the time, but I always studied like that before an exam. I'm a crammer. I cram the night before mm -hmm. a lot. Like I legit would go three days without studying for the exam at all, mm -hmm. and i just cram all the night before. Um, 
that was pretty much my first year in in summary because we had a modular program so we would take one course for two weeks take the exam one course for two weeks maybe that course for two weeks you would take an exam on wednesday friday monday wednesday friday monday and it'd be like exam one two three four and five and i remember not having any homework or anything you just studied excuse me you studied for the exam so i would just cram i I would cram and cram i remember um trying to learn as much as i could with the end in mind because you had to study for your boards i knew all this material they had to teach it because it's a part of the curriculum and it's accredited school but we all know the real reason they're teaching it so you can pass your boards so i try to always ask the professor or always look at this like what do i need to know now that's going to let me pass this exam but so that in a year it's still stuck in my brain so i can pass the boards and i have to restudy all this stuff um, but then there was also some fun. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I just studied all the time. Like, <laughs> we went out and tried all the different restaurants, all the different clubs. We hit up night spots. Uh, we were in Mesa, Scottsdale, mm-hmm. Tempe, Phoenix. So some good times. Yeah, Scottsdale was wild. Yeah, we had a good time. Yeah. And that was Saturday nights. Then you had to study all day Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I still remember, like, typing up, a, a, like, one of those public health Summer, I had to write like a thousand page paper, thousand page. Hell no, that would never happen. <laughs> thousand word, thousand word response. But I'm doing it at Top Golf while mm-hmm. holding like a beer, and it's my turn next. And I'd be like, here, hold my phone. I got to finish this post. But uh, that was wow. first year at a glance. Uh, met some great classmates that are mm-hmm. now friends, and uh, I would do it all over again. As silly as that sounds, y'all will get to a point after dental school where you're like, I would do all that all right. over again. I don't, I, we cannot see that right now. No. We're just like, give me, uh, yeah. give, give me that piece of paper, and I'll see you later. For sure, I said the same thing first year, mm-hmm. second year, third year, and so on. Yeah. But now looking back, it's like that was fun. Yeah, like to hang out with your classmates, chill, maybe study in the library, mm-hmm. go have some drinks afterwards, and not have to be like, man, I got a patient at seven a.m. So you got that stress when you start working that you don't have when you're a dental student. Um, but first year was a blast. Like I said, I'll do it all over again and uh, definitely enjoyed the transition though into clinic. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen for us in our first year. Right, okay. So um, before you got into clinic, how long did it take you to kind of get control of your hand skills? Like when you really felt comfortable, confident, uh, drilling and all that sort of stuff? Oh man, I don't even remember what sim clinic was like, but I know even being a barber, there were still times where I struggled. Really? I probably would look back now at some of my class two preps mm-hmm. and laugh at them because of how all over the place they probably were. And I thought they were probably killer. Um, but I struggled with um, indirect vision, just like everybody course, else did. Yeah. Barbering does not like I cut my own hair, like the back of my neck. So yeah. I've sat up on a, you know, on a cabinet and cut the back of my neck before. And it looks clean. Do you have one of those like um, the, the, the three way folding? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. That wasn't out yet. Oh, Somebody okay. invented that. Like, wow, so you did it before that. Way too late. It was yeah. before that, man. And uh <laughs> But that, that did not help me. Like, there's still an even le- or um, a normal playing field for everybody. Even if you played an instrument, you were a dental assistant, you were a lab technician, cool, good for you. But we all are at dead even when you have to cut a class two prep mm-hmm. and when you have to use a mirror to look in a patient's mouth. Um, so I don't know what there was this point where I was like, oh, I'm competent now. Mm-hmm. But there, that definitely doesn't really happen until you start actually practicing on patients. Mm-hmm. Because you think you can prep until you have number 17 on somebody who can't open with a fat buckle pad. That's when you find out if you can prep or not. So um, to lead into it, um, (laughs) what advice would you give yourself when you started going into clinic and started seeing patients? Um, 
I don't assume you were nervous, but you know, I'm sure you could be because you know it's way different than cutting plastic, and you know it's yeah. just a way different. There's so many things you gotta remember at once. You gotta be able to keep the patient calm, keep them happy, want them to come back to your clinic. So, you got any advice for uh, us as we're about to go into clinic in two months? Two months. Yeah. I would, man. Advice before you do it, not really. I'll be honest. You kind of everybody's gonna handle stress differently. So just know whatever stress you have is normal. Okay. Like, don't let that scare you. Mm-hmm. I would. I know for a fact there were classmates who fed on others' fear. Mm-hmm. Like, they almost enjoyed knowing that everybody else was scared. They would do it before exams. They would do it before boards. And I'm not one of those people, so it turned me off. But I get that. Let's say a class of 100. There's going to be 20, 30, maybe even 40 who like knowing that somebody else is just as nervous as them, and they're not. Or... They're just looking for somebody to like give them that sense of justification. Like it's okay to be nervous. So I'm saying in hindsight, it is okay. And mm-hmm. however you handle stress, that's probably how you're gonna feel going into working on patients. That same stress before you took boards is gonna be the same stress you feel. So you're gonna get the pancakes, sweat marks under your shirt. You're gonna be nervous. You're gonna forget some stuff. You're gonna be running all over the place and you're gonna crash at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. The advice I would have after you start seeing some patients though, is to try to get as many experiences as possible while you're in clinic. I know I would see my one patient and then meet my boys for basketball. Mm-hmm. Or I'd see my one patient and then we'd head to play golf. We'd see our one patient and then we'd be like, all right, I'm out. Knowing full well there's other patients in chairs that I could go watch and learn. I didn't see that though when I was a dental student. I saw I'm done with my one patient, I finished my clinical note, I'm out. So that's probably my advice after the fact, once y'all start seeing your first, your second, your third, go see your buddy's patient and watch the interaction. Might make you a little nervous knowing that he's watching you, but that patient may have a situation that presents itself that the professor offers, offers you great advice that only you will hear. Why don't, wouldn't you want to know what happened in that room? Wouldn't you want to, like, that's so, I, I didn't get that, and that's I wish advice. I would have. That's really yeah. good advice, yeah. honestly, because, you know, we, we obviously are very motivated to, um, work as hard as we can and try to you know learn as much as possible but uh there's times where we want to get out of there you know i mean it's it's only human it's only natural for us to get tired get bored want to go lift want to go play ball but uh that's honestly i'm gonna try to take that into clinic i don't know about you guys no definitely like last week i was in and out i saved the easiest (laughs) day we had we had an exam that that thursday i was in clinic on tuesday and then they just, I mean, they're like, okay, pick something. You could do whatever you want. So I went to, I went to assist the uh, front office woman, the PCC. Oh, oh I, I did, that, I did that a couple weeks ago. I was ago. in there maybe 15 minutes, and she's like, I'm a little tired today. If you want to just get signed off, my like, see ya. Yeah. Yeah. 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, George was there with me. Yeah. But, uh, in yeah, the moment, that's a win. Exactly. Well, but the there could have been exactly two broken denture teeth that you could have learned from on another patient and that's kind of like i look back now we had a fixed process center uh where they did dentures Mm -hmm. and i remember that one prosthodontist would help with 14 denture situations and i was one of the denture situations so i learned my lady's situation how to fix that situation how to fix her s sound or her weird phonetic situation when i was done though i left and i'm like god what if i would have sat there and listened to the other 13 issues that that prosthodontist solved that i had to figure out now as a practicing dentist i'm having to figure it out and wing it and call that prosthodontist and i know he's probably like if you would have just followed me yeah you know but it, yeah in the moment it's uh how do i find the the least or the most um least resistant path low-key guilt right now hey my bad. <laughs> i didn't mean to do that to y'all but i'm no, 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 no you're good you're the good. right time hey, to hear you know, it. I, yeah I, because we're going that. into it, right? Yeah, come uh, two months. Come next week. I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'm yeah. guilty of it. I will say now that would have translated into easier days as a dentist, more money 
as a dentist, mm -hmm. happier patients as a dentist. But you weren't, you're not thinking that in right. that moment. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It is, man. So uh, your clinic experience, was it only two years, your third and your fourth year? Is that how you did it at uh, dental school? Second year was SIM clinic, uh -huh. only SIM. Okay. We didn't see one patient yeah. at all. Okay. I'm sure we could have shadowed, but yeah. I wasn't thinking of that. Yeah. Third year was in in off, or in or clinic seeing patients. We would see one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Then if you like were really go-getter, you could see two, but mm -hmm. that was it. Mm -hmm. And then our third year is different than most dental schools, or fourth year, sorry. We spent six months in the pre uh, building, in clinic, and six months at other locations mm -hmm. uh, called external rotations, but we did them in one month increment. So okay. the first month was in clinic in Arizona. The second month I spent in Seattle. I come back for a month in Arizona. Then I spent another month in Florida at a community health center. Then I did a month back in Arizona. Then I went back up to Washington State. And that, that happens throughout the whole year. Everybody got to pick their external rotations though. And I picked ones that were in fun cities. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, That's I, good for you. I had to think about that. Yeah. There was somebody who picked like Waco and somebody picked North Dakota. And uh, yeah. They were like, yeah, you get great endo experience. I was like, I'm looking for <laughs> like breweries and stuff. A good time. Yeah, so I picked like Seattle. Um, I picked Fort Lauderdale. There's one in Naples. Mm -hmm. um, that was one of the things I liked about my program. And to this day, when someone says, why do you feel like you excelled more so than some of your colleagues at the three-year mark as a dentist? I owe a lot to dental school, but also how serious I took outside of dental school. But it was that fourth year mm -hmm. of seeing, sometimes we'd see six patients in the morning and four to six patients in the afternoon. And that was a great experience. Mm -hmm. That was fun. That's our how our clinic kind of um, evolved. It went from one, first year, all didactic, second year, all sim, third year, all clinic, fourth year, half and half. Okay. Right. And that's cool because you get to travel and see some stuff. You know, it was a good time. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. One of them, you get to pick a roommate and y'all had to share an apartment together. Mm -hmm. And I picked my best friend. He jumped in that one too. So, I mean, it was cool. We would ride together, take an Uber together, mm -hmm. have fun on the weekends and then have long days in the clinic. But then you knew when that month was over, back to clinic because right. you got to do the same thing. Yeah. But in, And then you would take your exams and your, um, we called them, what are those called where you have to do something to pass? Uh, competencies. competencies. Yeah. We had competencies and you would do those while you were in clinic. Wow. So when you would leave, you better have your competencies done before that final rotation. Um, obviously, that stress of checking a box, y'all deal with that. It's nice when you don't have to worry about that. But that's the world we live in, a, a world of checking boxes. So did you feel after your fourth year you were ready to go out and uh, start working? You, you didn't do a residency, right? Or I didn't do a residency. And I felt confident to go okay. work. I did. There were some classmates that I knew didn't feel confident, but I knew them pretty well. And it made sense. I was like, you know what? I, I, I think you should go to residency. <laughs> you don't say those things as a, as a friend. But I also had my buddies that we knew each other and we knew that we were going to take our job serious. Mm -hmm. We were the ones who showed up on time and were like, let's just do our job. And they didn't go to residency and they're killing it. Mm -hmm. So I felt confident. Um, and I, I don't think it was a false sense of security. I, I mean, I felt confident. But I also know now that I did more in my first year as a dentist practicing than some of my colleagues are doing in their first year of residency, except I'm getting paid for it, yeah. and I'm seeing more patients, and I'm building my reputation. They're reporting on a patient, looking at the person who's medically complex, having to report to a professor. They only got to see four patients. They still had to send stuff to their specialty at that program. So for that reason, I felt I made a good choice. But for anybody who's feeling that that second guess moment, like maybe I should do a residency, then you probably should do a residency. But if you already have that confidence, like I'm going to work, mm -hmm. then you're probably built to go be a dentist right now. 
And you so, knew that by when, like your fourth year, spring semester, first I think semester? I, I think I knew that probably halfway through my third year or, or fourth year. Okay. It's kind of in that moment. Definitely not first or second year. Yeah. It's too early. If you're doing that, you're just talking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, not, there's no truth to that if you're just saying it. Mm-hmm. So what was it like uh, your fourth year, you're applying for jobs? Walk me through that process. You know, fourth year, I knew I wanted to get back to Florida somehow. I didn't know how to do it, but I didn't know any dentists in Florida. So I was like, do I start sending out emails? Do I go on Craigslist? Do I call up like a a practice locator? Man, what do I do? So I had that moment, and I think that happened in third year or the end of third year because I knew all the fourth years had said you better start looking. But what ended up happening is I met somebody cool. uh, One of my classmates, I met his mom who worked for a DSO. So that let me learn about the DSO world. Mm-hmm. So I got to learn about the DSO world and what that meant. Uh, what is the difference between a coast or an Aspen or a Pacific or a Heartland? And I learned what those were. I had no idea those even existed. I, did, I thought it was private practice or bust. I didn't know. So that opened my eyes up and allowed me to make some interviews and kind of learn what was out there. But um, I think I did three or four solid interviews. And one was a, not so much a working interview, but it was like a Panera Bread sit down and talk. She asked me cool questions like, what do you like about dentistry? How'd you get into dentistry? Do you work on kids? Do you like endo? She was basically trying to see, is this guy going to do everything that our practice needs? And uh, that ended up being who I ended up working with. And I think both her and I were glad we chose each other. But that happened in the middle of first semester of fourth year. So I think that's about the time most of my classmates were doing interviews, uh, job interviews, not specialty interviews. I don't know when they do interviews, but I do remember them already having matched before I was doing interviews. Right, right. But uh, that's when I started the ball rolling and I actually knew I had a job by January of my fourth year. So I legit had five months before graduation and I already had signed a contract with who I was gonna be working with. Okay, so, what are your thoughts on like the future of specialties? Because I know a lot of people talk about how the future is going to be like a super GP. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that from what you've seen so far? Now that I've done dentistry, I hope we always have specialists. Mm-hmm. Like I hope there's always somebody who's an expert in their field. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be a super GP. I sometimes consider myself one because we do endo, we place implants, we do IV sedation, we do Invisalign, veneers. There's not much we don't do here except maybe gum grafts. So in a lot of ways, our patients view us as like a super GP practice. They don't call us that, but they will say constantly, I don't want to go to a specialist. Can't you do it here? But I'm glad there's specialists out there that are really good at apicoectomies. I need somebody out there who's good at finding a fifth canal on a molar. I'm, I'm not looking for a fifth nah, canal. Right. <laughs> so you need a specialist out there. So I hope it never goes away, but I, I am glad that we're headed in that, that direction. All right, Dr. Berger. So looking back on dental school, and your application process and trying to find a job. Just looking back at the, the whole ordeal, can you give me uh, a piece of advice for a dental student that is gonna be graduating this year? A dental student that's gonna be graduating right. this year? New grad or, or it could be somebody who's just graduated last year, you know? New I'm, dentist. I'm gonna throw this advice out to the first year, second year, third, it, it applies to everybody. And it might seem kind of corny depending on you know, how you feel about this. Um, and when you hear it, but I would have the mama mentality, no matter who you are, Mm -hmm. like whether you played a sport or didn't play a sport, there's people who are violin players, but have that mentality, the way you train to be the best violinist when you were a 13 year old, treat dental school like that. Um, 
wake up in the morning and get prepared don't just throw on some wrinkly scrubs and just treat it like oh it's just another day like treat it like you were preparing for battle like treat it like you were preparing for a basketball tournament or violin or a career and if you treat every day like that then you'll be crazy successful for sure without a shadow of a doubt if you just treat every moment like that the lame days the de- the test days you'll kill it for sure i too. like that so if y'all can flip that kind of switch everybody has that switch for something mm-hmm. like all y'all took something really really serious i'm like i don't know what it is for y'all for me it was basketball um which is kind of why i get a little nerded out when it comes to like the kobe bryant topic and but it, it could be anything if you treat every like every morning when you lace up your shoes like you're lacing up for a game or you prepare the night before and have all your stuff out ready to go so you're not late and you're not the person always walking in late you'll kill it and other people notice that but not from the standpoint of oh there's the um what's the word that y'all use in dental school that one person who's always going above and beyond gunner the gunner, gunner. The gunner. everybody had that is different than being a gunner that's being prepared motivated and turning the on switch on you can still be a really nice person and not throw other people under the bus mm-hmm. but be crazy prepared and i i know for sure those are the ones who are going to pass their dat on the first try those are the ones who are going to pass their boards on the first try those are the ones who are going to start their dental practice and do well um so that's my advice flip, flip that mama yeah. mentality switch on and treat every day like that love it rest in peace kobe yeah we got a we got an episode called uh it's about mama mentality so Spot on. It's like it's like you. Uh, I love it. <laughs> love it. All right, Doctor Berger. Uh, how can uh, our listeners contact you? Uh, give us an Instagram plug, Twitter plug, Facebook. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mind it. As silly as it sounds, emails are perfectly fine if it's like a deep question, like, a, "Hey, I'm really struggling with something. How do I do this or that?" So my email is jberger, b e r g e r, at mydentalmail.com. And if anybody did hit me up, just let me know through that, that it was through this podcast, through you guys, that they heard about me. That way I know who it is because I do get a lot of emails. But then my Instagram is docb, D-O-C-B, underscore smiles. And people send me messages on there. How'd you do that veneer case? Or what school did you go to? Uh, what advice would you give me uh, as I do an interview? So those types of questions are always welcome. But yeah, email and uh, and Instagram are the best two ways to probably get a hold of me. And I'm pretty I'm pretty good about getting back to people. Great. Yeah, I mean, we were taking a look at your Instagram. Pretty fire. Love I it. try, man. Good stuff. I opened it up about a year ago, and uh, I did it mainly to show people the work that we were doing here, thinking it would bring patience to the practice. I'm not going to lie. Instagram to get patience in the practice is not easy. And I know that now from experience, mm-hmm. but to keep in touch with colleagues and get to know some good dentists and to talk and network with people that are dealing with what you're dealing with, it's a great place. So if y'all have one for that purpose, it's, you're going to get a lot out of it. To get it as a patient uh, pipeline is not easy. Mm-hmm. The Dr. Rubenstein or Rubensteins out there and the, I know some of the other ones that have 200 to 400 to 500,000 mm-hmm. followers, they're getting patients from their Instagram. I'm nowhere near that level, and I don't know how to get to that yeah. level. So that's some, maybe a challenge to all of y'all. Right. Uh, but for sure, just to network and help other dentists and help dental students, that's been my way to help others is through my Instagram. Fantastic. What would uh, you attribute your success to on social media? So obviously you present some, you know, your veneer cases, what you do. Um, how would you, you know, go about talking about, you know, what, what makes you stand out? And for you, what does that mean to you about the social media platforms? The first place I think I noticed that it was different than others is it was it was real life stuff. Like I would post, you know, 
at the gym playing basketball and then the next day I would post a picture of veneers. So it's like, oh, that's a normal guy. Like that, I, I do that stuff. So there's relatability and, and just being relatable. The other thing was next level stuff that I was posting. I was started working with a cool simulation program where you can see a person's veneers after they're done simulated. So they haven't moved forward yet, but they wanted to see a picture. No other dentists in the area were doing that. So I started posting that on my Instagram and that's when I started getting a lot of traffic and people asking, what is that? How do I get into that? How do I do that? Then I had to think, do I share that with all my competition? Right. But I don't have that mindset. I'm like, I'm just going to share it with everybody. Right. It's public information. And that's when Dennis started to, you know, friend request me or like the pictures or comment or share it with others. Uh, that and keeping in touch with people or actually interacting with people. Like if any of y'all commented and said like, hey man, great post or a great Instagram, a uh, great veneer case, I would take the time to hit reply and say thanks. Right. As silly as that sounds, it's kind of cool to have some interaction, especially if you're in another city or state. Oh, that was nice of him to take a minute out of his day to respond. I mean, they don't know what, I don't know what they're going through. They don't know what I'm going through. So I say, I say uh, engagement helped. Mm -hmm and then relatability. Yeah. Right, that's like what those moms and grandmas always instill in you. It's kind of corny to say, but always be humble, regardless of your success. Yeah. And I think that's that's huge that you do that. I uh, I stole that part from Gary Vaynerchuk, who has some cool YouTube videos yeah. out there. Uh, yeah. I know it's not for everybody, but he always makes sure to respond to people. And uh, so I've seen him multiple times yeah. on YouTube videos and in the comment section, he'll say stuff back. It's probably an assistant that he pays. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah. I don't have that luxury. But until I get to that point, you're right. Just be humble enough to respond. Have you seen he wears like that hoodie with his phone number on it? I did recently. Yeah. And I, I also I saw a picture not too long ago that he put, he took like a screenshot. He was having a, a phone conversation with somebody. There was just a fan that called yeah, and yeah. he answered. He does that all the time. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> I would love to do that. You're going to start doing that? <laughs> <laughs> that is the ultimate humility right there. Yeah. yeah. Taking calls. All right, Dr. Berger. Appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. All right, guys, this is another one in the books. We just had a killer interview with Dr. Jacob Berger, practicing out of Lakewood Ranch, Florida. Smiles at Lakewood Ranch is the name of his practice. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, and concerns regarding any of the information we discuss, please feel free to message us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Message us on Facebook at Dental Student Vibes. Check out our YouTube channel at Dental Student Vibes. Twitter at DSV Podcast. And then always make sure you hit us up on GoFundMe for DSV GoFundMe me and of course make sure if you're studying for boards any of the dental students go on bnb dental and you could use our code vibes 75 that is v-i-b-e-s 75 for 75 dollars off your subscription thanks guys